0: To the ortho eval pal podcast where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills we hope you enjoy the show and now for your host paul marquis hello everyone and welcome to episode 258 of the ortho eval pal podcast i'm your host paul marquis and today we're going to be talking about cervical traction and is it effective we're going to talk about how cervical traction works Diagnoses treated with cervical traction. We'll talk about the effectiveness of traction and we're also going to give you some tips on how to properly use traction and so much more. But if you don't mind holding for a moment, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by MedBridge. Harnessing the power of technology to help you advance your career and improve patient outcomes, MedBridge delivers over 2,000 evidence-based CE courses and more than 7,000 specialized patient exercises available whenever you need them from wherever you are. MedBridge goes beyond CEUs. They're leading the space. From interactive webinars led by top industry leaders to the first ever HEP patient mobile app, MedBridge has taken learning to the next level for over 200,000 PTs, OTs, ATs, SLPs, and nurses, and those they serve. For a limited time, Use promo code OEP to receive $175 off your annual subscription. You go into clinic every day to practice at the top of your license and provide the best care to your patients. Yet, four out of five orthopedists say that note-taking is interfering with patient care. Robin is here to change that. Robin provides ambient virtual scribing that's designed exclusively for orthopedics. Its Robin assistant device ambiently captures your visits, so you can focus on patients... And Robin Virtual Scribes can deliver more complete clinical notes and codes to your EHR. Visit robin.co slash OEP. That's robin.co slash OEP to learn more. Welcome back, everyone. So we have a lot to go over today. Um, Traction is something that I've always been very passionate about especially cervical spine traction I did some research in conjunction with Huston University a while back um, if you want to get into the marquee maneuver and um, you know what we had done during that uh, that study go over to episode 36 which was uh, quite a while ago and um, you know I'll talk a little bit about how we did our research in the uh, cervical spine and with cervical traction um, you know cervical traction is something that is easy to do um, that's why I like I like to do it. It's, um, you know, it's a very diagnostic tool for me. So I utilize it all the time to help identify what level a person has a nerve root compression problem at. I use it with a lot of people with different diagnoses with really good uh, success. Although the research is very mixed on this. Now, I've reviewed tons of studies on this. And some of them show a very significant decrease in pain and a decrease in disability early on after an episode of nerve root compression or cervical spine pain. And other studies show no change whatsoever in that you're uh, just as well off to do just conservative physical therapy and management. And uh, these people don't um, seem to have a difference with or without traction um, That. You know, does that mean we shouldn't do cervical traction? Absolutely not. Uh, Today, I'm going to give you some really good reasons why you should be using cervical traction. And, um, you know, one of the things I want to do first, though, is review, quickly review what happens with cervical traction. So it stretches the head away from the neck, right? We, We all know that we understand that, yes, but we need to look at this a little bit deeper. When we take the cervical spine and we... Pull it apart. Basically, we're grabbing the suboccipital region. We are pulling it away from the shoulders. We are offloading the facets. So remember, on the back side of the spine, the facets help to hold us up there. On the front side of the spine, the discs help to hold us up on the front side. Okay. With that being said, and those vertebrae being pulled apart a little bit, we're also opening the vertebral foramen. Okay, so number one, we take pressure off of the facets. So if you have an arthritic facet, that can help offload that. Um, It opens up that vertebral foramen where the nerve roots come out and we, uh, you know, feed the arms uh, neurally. And then the other thing that happens is that we have this pulling or suctioning of the disc back towards center. Okay, so just like a sponge that you push down on, uh, if you pull back up on it, or you allow it to come back up, um, it comes out of that uh, fattened position, and it brings it back in towards center. Okay. As it does that, it has a suctioning effect, okay? So it helps to bring blood flow into the area. We know that the the spine loses blood flow after 25 years old. So those little micro capillaries uh, start to disintegrate. They break down. You don't have very good blood flow. So movement is very important, okay? Um, And then the other thing that traction does, it helps to stretch all of those muscles that are parallel to the spine, going up and down basically. helps to stretch those out a little bit. Oftentimes we have an underlying problem that causes spasm. Oftentimes, spasm does not just come from injury to the muscle. There is something going on in the underlying surfaces that causes the muscle to spasm. It's a protective mechanism that we have. So it can help to stretch all of those muscles that are parallel to the spine. And lastly, it helps to bring blood flow uh, to the cervical spine structures, which can be very helpful in the long run. So now think about what it does, what we just talked about, And consider the diagnoses you can treat with it. So if somebody has facet joint arthritis and we are pulling those facets apart, that'll take a little load off those joints. No different than a a knee that is arthritic and weight bearing causes a lot of pain, but taking weight off it can be relieving. Okay. Um, Let's say somebody has a headache. 80% of headaches um, come from the cervical spine. Okay. So if you have a facet issue uh, in that area, tight muscles, traction can help with headaches. All right, let's talk about cervical nerve root compression. If you're having some compression, it could be from... facet, It could be from a disc, it could be just from inflammation in that area, or um, the disc is uh, compressed and that cervical foramen is closing. So that will help offload that cervical nerve root. All right, if you have a herniated disc, it has that suctioning effect, which will help to pull that herniation or bulging disc back inward a little bit to help give some relief and take some pressure off of a nerve root that could be getting compressed. Um, And it can also be used for the treatment of tight cervical spine muscles. So As you can see, we talked about the diagnoses that we can treat with cervical spine um, and we talked about what traction does. Okay, so if we can traction them, we take some pressure off that spine. um, It can make a huge difference. So this is starting to sound just like a big old soap note, isn't it? Um, We have, you know, goal number one and it addresses problem number one. So we kind of work with that and um, that really works out really well. So. You know, if the research uh, is not strong, then why should we continue to use it? So I'm going to give you an example. Um, you know, number one, it could be, it could be pain relief. And number two, you could, ha- you could try to decrease the damage to a nerve root, all right? Um, there's no real mention here if we are doing mechanical versus manual traction. I always start with manual traction. It gives me a feel for the patient. They seem to relax a little bit better before you put them into some sort of a machine. Um, I always start with manual if I have some good results with that. Then I will transition them into doing mechanical traction in the clinic. I use a Saunders cervical traction unit, something I've used for 20, 25 years with extremely uh, ex- good results and also used it during my study. And so it's my go-to cervical traction device. It grabs a hold of the suboccipital space nicely, a little strap over the forehead. Patients are comfortably um, placed in that. They don't have to worry about pressure on their jaw. And so uh, I really uh, like this under cervical traction unit. Um, and the other thing I like to do about, you know, I like to do with cervical traction is they, they can do it at home. Okay, so you can send a home unit with them. And uh, there are some that are really much better than others out there. There are a lot of... Quote unquote" gimmicks and um, cheap options. Uh, I really uh, always go to, back to the Cadillac. I've tried just about everything out there and really have the best luck with Saunders. Uh, one of the reasons I like it is because it just automatically puts you in about 15 to 20 degrees of flexion. You can move it into lateral flexion um, to offload one side more than the other. And um, it's simple. You can do it by yourself. You don't need to be set up on this. You can just set it up yourself. You can do it multiple times a day, which is what I usually recommend when somebody comes in with an acute nerve root compression and uh, that seems to work really well for them so uh i do want to throw in some tips today okay um You can use cervical traction to help diagnose your patients, number one. So somebody comes in, they may have some scapular pain. Maybe they have some shoulder pain. You don't know. Sometimes it can be difficult to identify if it's coming from the neck or if it's coming from the shoulder. Um, One of the ways to do this is simply traction the cervical spine. You traction the cervical spine and that scapular pain, chest pain, shoulder pain, elbow pain goes away. Then you know it's coming from the cervical spine. Um... I utilize it with something we call the marquee maneuver. It's something that I use almost on a weekly basis to help identify uh, a nerve root compression and identify which level it's at. So an example would be, let's say somebody has a C6 nerve root compression. They have radiculopathy down that pattern and um, they have wrist extension weakness. So what I do is I lay them on their back, supine, no pillow, no traction, nothing. If that increases their symptoms, um, what I then do is I test their muscle strength throughout, throughout their arm. So let's say they have wrist extension weakness. I then will place them in a saunter cervical traction or I will manually track them, traction them. But if I've got another therapist with me, I can do this myself. If I'm alone, then I would place them in a cervical traction unit, put them, uh, you know, 18 to 20 pounds of cervical traction. You want to get above uh, head weight and then retest that strength. Okay. Now, if the strength improves while doing cervical spine traction, not only do you know that it's a cervical spine problem, but you also now know what level it's at. So if they've regained strength at the wrist extensors, it's C6. If they regained tricep strength, it's C7. If their biceps got stronger, it's C5. And so not only can we tell that it is a nerve root compression problem, but we can tell what level it's at. All right. And uh, so... What I what I do is I use that as a diagnostic tool all the time. So don't forget it as a, a lot of people just use it to treat patients with. Um, the other thing that I like about traction and doing the marquee maneuver is that It's a great predictor of post-surgical outcomes. So if you can traction the cervical spine and the arm becomes stronger, the pain settles down, the paresthesias settle down, the reflexes improve, that's a really good sign that if they do surgery and they offload that nerve by um, doing a foraminotomy, laminectomy, uh, doing a fusion, which gives that nerve some room to breathe, um, that they will do better. If you traction somebody and their strength does not improve, You have to be a little worried that they probably have some permanent nerve damage going on there. Um, The other thing that you need to do with cervical traction is modify the angle of pull. Okay, so not only do you want to place the cervical spine in a little bit of flexion, but you can also laterally flex to the opposite side or away from the area of pain. So if there's a facet on the right side that's hurting, you can laterally tilt the head to the left side to offload that facet. If you want to open up that frame in a little bit more on the right side, laterally flex them to the left a little bit. So that's a a little tidbit of information that can help just get a little bit more relief. And then sometimes adding a little bit more flexion can be helpful. And ultimately, what you want to do is you want to really decrease that inflammation, decrease the pain so they can, you know, at least get some relief. And you want to minimize the amount of compression on that nerve because the longer the nerve gets compressed, the higher the risk of damage. Uh, And uh, I've seen this happen uh, often enough where people just don't get this recognized early on and they end up with some permanent weakness and uh, some long-term disability from it. So you uh, you need to, you know, pay attention to that. Now, if you do another tidbit of information, if you do traction and there is an increase in pain or an increase in radiculopathy, you need to stop your traction right away. Okay. This is very, very rare. But if that nerve root and the nerves themselves are not gliding through the brachial plexus very well, you're obviously going to put some tension on that nerve, it's going to cause them more pain, it'll feel ridiculous in nature. Um, but it can simply be from a, a brachial plexitis or a, uh, you know, a brachial plexus type injury that the person had that you know, didn't really get recognized in the evaluation. So this can be an indicator that they have some sort of a brachial plexus problem. So take that into consideration. Don't try to traction them through it. They will not do well. They will come back next time very unhappy with you and very resistant to doing traction again. So um, pay attention to that. That's very important. The other little tidbits of information I like to add to, you know, when patients are doing mechanical traction would be put a roll under their knees um, do some effort substitution with them, you know, maybe elevate the shoulders a little bit, put a little something under the glenohumeral joint, get those uh, elbows rested a little bit so they're not extending, have the hands, you know, rested in a nice neutral position, not completely internally rotated or out on the table, but kind of across their belly, maybe with a pillow under their hands. Just doing that alone without even doing traction is super relaxing. Okay, it will get your patient to, to calm down a little bit. And uh, let those muscles just relax. Now, patients who are in traction can fight the traction. Okay, they can contract those muscles and and really fight it and not get that distraction that they need. So it's super important that you try to get them as relaxed as possible. That may be put them into a dark room, do some effort substitution with them. You know, start with a gentle voice, calm voice. Uh, I I do. Traction a lot, so I always talk about the safety, and it's super, super safe. I've never had a problem with a patient who has utilized uh, traction. So, you know, back to our initial question and why we're here today. You know, is it effective? Yes, in my opinion, with through my experience doing hundreds and hundreds of cervical spine uh, patients with traction, uh, I've had you know really high success rates. It can really be helpful. And if it's not, at least you've worked on decreasing you know, nerve root compression, taking a load off those joints uh, and stretching some of those cervical spine muscles. But I've never seen anybody have any real ill effects from uh, cervical spine traction. So um, I find it very effective, especially in helping to diagnose patients. But we've had tons of people um, who had... Severe or large herniated discs, who were able to give them some relief, enough relief that um, it can take them through that inevitable healing process. Where, you know, we know that not everybody who has a herniated disc in their cervical spine needs to have surgery. A lot of them will respond um, conservatively and on their own. But You know, if they're miserable and they're not sleeping well and they're getting more nerve root compression, that could be a problem, okay? Um, Or if they're not able to look side to side when they get to a stop sign, their facet joints are too tight. Anything you can do to help optimize that is uh, helpful and, in my opinion, very effective. And so I find it to be a very good tool to use with patients. Uh, I use it on a regular basis. So if you have any questions about cervical traction – feel free to contact me. All my information is in the show notes today. And uh, be, don't be afraid to uh, jump over to our YouTube channel. We have tons of videos, 480 plus videos. Just um, Google Paul Marquis and whatever diagnosis in the orthopedic realm you want to talk about. You'll probably see something come up that um, can help you with your you know, evaluation and diagnosis skills along with uh, some treatment techniques and tips that might ha- you know, help make things just a little bit better when it comes to evaluating and treating your patient. So, folks, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Um, Again, be kind to each other and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.